Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the DXM Podcast. I am Colborn Bell. I am joined today by the artist Easter Trey. Did I say that right? You did, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> I always second guess that one, but I'm getting better. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to start this one where we start every single one. Um, and that is the floor is yours. Please let people know about you. Um, about your practice and how you came to find NFTs and crypto art. For sure. Yeah. Let's start with, I guess, my name, since it's like such a fun thing for everyone to say each time. So yeah. uh, there's no right or wrong way. Like, I like to hear all the pronunciations. So it's like Easter Tray, Esser Tray, uh, Easter Tray, like yes. the hard E. <laughs> That's where I get hung up is Esser, Esser Tray and Easter Tray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like they both. When I hear both, I'm like, oh, that's me? Are they talking about me? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's like uh, the, the history behind that is like, so me and my friends would like do graffiti stuff in the Midwest. And a lot of my friends would write like silly names. They'll have like names like, I don't know, like burnt or like, uh, <laughs> like frog, you know, just like silly words that they like yeah. were using. Uh, and I wanted to like use my name, but not use my name. So my last name in real life is Treece, T-R-E-E-C-E. So flip that in reverse, E-C-E-E-R-T. And then my mother is from Argentina. Um, maiden last name of hers is Ray, R-E-Y. And it means nice. king, king in Spanish, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. So I made like Easter Trey, Easter Ray. And it was my original like username on Flickr. Yeah. And Flickr for me was a place... Uh, so background again for me, I come from a place of photography for over a decade now. Um, so I went to school at the University of Cincinnati, studied photojournalism. And there was like the introduction to the Photoshop and all the kind of the more photographic tools and the history behind photography and all the, the artwork and all that stuff. Um, but like I said, I had like my little graffiti thing. So it was like... Uh, a way for me then to use my name and then like post it on Flickr and post my photos from like urban exploring around yeah. Cincinnati in the Midwest and kind of like post that. So that's kind of like how I got my start. And it was like very just me exploring and having fun and making art. And originally it was light painting photography. So I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that too. So it was like uh, a little bit, like, right? Long exposure. Yeah, exactly. Like moving yeah. lights in front of the camera, the camera on a tripod in mm -hmm. a dark space. Um, but for me, it would be like in an abandoned building where people were painting or mm -hmm. like in an underground tunnel that I found that was cool. And uh, it was like a point in my life, too, where I was dead broke, was like completely dead broke uh, working. I worked at like an art hotel. I worked at an art framing job. I worked at a restaurant, like I was all over the place. Right. So it was just like trying to do whatever I could. And then this was my outlet was making this art and like exploring and doing that. And with the light painting thing, I had, I showed a piece at like a little local public library and the, it was like a juried select jury selection show or something. Yeah. And I remember I showed up with my mom and it was all like, I was kind of embarrassed and like, didn't even want to be there. And then one of the judge ladies came up to me and was like, oh, did you take a, was this a picture of a performance? Like, did you take a picture of people performing something? And I was like, mm -hmm. like, 
no, like that was me in an abandoned warehouse at 2 a.m. <laughs> like moving the lights, like during like a 15 minute exposure, like breaking and entering, like and they right. had no. They had no. That's when I realized like a lot of people in the traditional art world were like really good at knowing what traditional art was, but mm. stuff technical uh, artwork stuff was going over some people's heads. And I like, I kind of took offense to it because I was like, oh my God, they juried the show without understanding like what the pieces in the show even were, like how things were made. But that was just like the very start of my artist's journey, I guess. And from there it was, uh, I actually broke my back right after that period, actually right before that period, um, snowboarding in a little hill in Indiana. And uh, yeah, it was like a like a stair set with a rail and I tried to like do this rail and slid down the stairs and mess my back up real good. But, uh, moved, always wanted to move to Colorado basically is where that was going. So that like led me as an artist and with this background of exploring to kind of come out to Colorado and really pursue like more landscape stuff and, taking that urban exploring background that I really loved, but couldn't really do safely anymore and putting it to use in like nature and the environment and bringing my camera with me and shooting photos. And then looking, like I always say, I'm like looking for spots in nature, kind of like how an artist that is looking for spots in the city is looking for like, Oh, that's a cool rooftop or that's a sweet alley. Like just like a different way of perceiving your environment. I, you know, I like to invite guests that I think just came in and did something first, right? That like really shaped the way I saw the space. Your art was so different. Thank um, you. I, I, at least for me personally, I think you were one of the very earliest photographers mm-hmm. or people with using photography as a medium. I think we can get later into how that just absolutely exploded and maybe mm-hmm. some thoughts and feelings there. Mm-hmm. But you weren't just doing photography, you were doing something different, right? And I think there's two aspects to your practice that I very much love. One is of course, like the incorporation of this hybrid fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were doing this even like before Artifact or like alongside yeah. Artifact, but it always felt in like a, a much, for me, deeper, interesting, complex way. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that that integration with nature, and then of course these beautiful, beautiful sculptures. Um, yeah, and the fashion thing. Like, I had one of my friends was like the one of the only guys at the University of Cincinnati that was like in the fashion tract, right? And I was yeah. like, great friends with the dude, and I was always obsessed with fashion stuff, and even with the light painting thing, it was. Uh, the ability to take like a light sword and kind of move it like, like a silly toy light sword, you know, from Toys R Us. And I would like, you could like move it around someone's hips and create like a light skirt, like Mm. during the exposure. And it was like the idea of playing and adding stuff on top of a photo. And then like your art then becomes not only the taking of the photo and that whole adventure and process. And cause that's its whole own thing. But then you're like, uh, it's there's like a it's a painting almost. It's like you have the ability to touch into the thing and like have a little extra bit that wasn't physically there in a way. It's like you manipulating stuff to get it there. And yeah, with the fashion stuff, yeah, I mean, I was doing 
that stuff with the light painting. And then with the 3D rendering stuff, it was an aha moment where using the tools that I had from school and watching tons and tons of YouTube videos, just hours of YouTube tutorials <laughs> for like Cinema 4D, I figured out how to like put a photo that I took of myself and then put objects and kind of match that in a perspective. People would call it like compositing, but at the time I didn't come from a place where like I was being schooled professionally or had any friends that knew what I was. So in my head, it, it wasn't compositing. Like I didn't know what it was. It was just like its own thing. Um, but yeah, it was cool to like take these photos of myself places exploring and then like be like, oh, I want to wear like that jacket for the photo. And it's like now I'm having a piece of real fashion, but then I'm like covering it up and digitally manipulating it. The first NFT I ever minted is a good example of this. That picture is like uh, me just standing on a rock and I like did this kind of Cinema 4D rendering on it, but I did like probably 50 exports and would just manipulate and move. And it's just feel, right? I'm just feeling it out. I'm moving the shape, rendering, moving. I walk away from the computer for 10 minutes. I come back, I re-render another little bit. And then I kind of stack those in Photoshop, each version of the renders, my favorites, maybe my favorite five or seven of them. And then I just like kind of sit in a race or use like uh, the erase tool basically on various multiple layers so that it's stacking then like, and I'm getting little bits of pieces that I like from each one of those renders to kind of come up with like a hybrid version. And then I take that and put it into Lightroom and then like re-edit it. Like it's a photo that I just took like yeah. there. And that's how like everything comes together in a really like cohesive way where like, a lot of times feels like, I don't know, I, one of my things I like to do is try to like match the grain. So like the graininess yeah. of like the 3D objects, like match like what the photo felt like. So it yeah. really feels like these things were there. Like I took a picture of something, but in a very unexplainable and surreal, like, I don't know, sometimes creepy. I started more creepy and dark. And now I found myself going a lot more into like the light and like, I don't think I, I mentioned a long time ago when I first actually met Mocha and you and Shivani and the whole the whole team. And yeah. uh, I had a, a conversation where like some of the pieces feel more like masculine and sharp. Mm. And then some pieces feel more like feminine and round. And it's funny because like I have like a girlfriend now and it's like life is good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like before like, I was like, I'm like coming home and it's very stressed, but it's very interesting to like retrospectively look back at pieces and see that in myself mm. in a way because i look at it in other artists but yeah it's interesting yeah so i don't want to like imply intention in your work but kind of the way i perceive it right is that generally when you're dealing with yourself as the subject i think in your work is much especially in the fashion it's much sharper it's much more angular um it seems to be in more of like contrast to like these idyllic nature settings that you present yeah um and i don't know if that is like it's i don't know if it's intentional as like the human as the outsider in nature or in contrast with like nature and technology mm -hmm. but more of perhaps like the forms that you present they do they do take more organic um shapes yes yeah. so they do seem to be perhaps maybe more in harmony or maybe that's just kind of again like the, the evolution of 
of yeah, what you're feeling. Yeah, it's like a, an extrapolation of the tool usage in some way. Where like I look back at like things that inspire me. It's like sci-fi artists from the '70s yeah. hugely inspired me. It was like Chris Foos is one of the guys, and then. Um, Damn, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he, the guy that designed the X-Wing and the Death Star, he actually lives in Boulder. And I like cool. met the dude at a coffee shop one day. Nice. Um, but it's just like all those designs were like very sharp, um, very angular, even like Sid Mead, right? That just sure. designed all the Blade Runner uh, yeah. concept vehicles and stuff. And it was like drawing and then in th the simple 3d software of like sitting behind my screen with my mouse and like looking at a at a screen and clicking to manipulate what is a 3d object but now i'm manipulated still on a 2d screen it was a big step in the last like three-ish years as i got into nfts as an artist i transitioned to these right yeah. so now it's like I was always jealous. I mentioned painting earlier because it's like some of my friends will get dirty. Their hands are dirty. Like the wall behind you. It's like a great example. Yeah. It's like tac tactile history, right? There's there's something beautiful in like the not perfectionist of it. It can be like messy and disturbed. And I like felt I was missing that in some ways while just sitting at my computer with my mouse and looking at Cinema 4D on the screen. And being able to put the headset on now and like reach around me, like between my legs or like up and then back over here and over here, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, and like change the color and spread the stuff. It feels like clay sometimes, like I'm spreading apart material. It's a very interesting, much more rewarding feeling as an artist where I'm like, okay, now I have a little bit of that. And like now I'm still combining it with like all the tech and the photography stuff. But now I feel yeah. like, there's an additional aspect. And then I've even transitioned to kind of as a last final step, throwing a photo into Procreate on the iPad mm. and pa painting on top of it on Procreate. And it's like yeah. just a little last little bit of like, oh, there's a paintbrush stroke now on this piece or something yeah. that's like, what? Like how? I was very blessed in 2017. I first heard about Ethereum. I would buy $20 worth of ETH with every paycheck that I worked at. What At the time I was actually working at a dispensary, a medical yeah. marijuana dispensary in Colorado. And every like page 20 bucks into ETH, 20 bucks into ETH. And that December period, like right before, it was like the peak basically, the top. Yeah. I took out the most money that I'd ever made in my life, which was like a couple thousand dollars. And I bought yeah. my first desktop computer and I bought an HTC Vive VR headset. And I just started scouring the web for VR jobs. Who's doing VR jobs? Where are VR jobs that I could get? Because I'm like, hey, I have a headset. Like, I'll, yeah. work. <laughs> I'll work for you guys in some capacity. So I actually that. found a, a cool startup. They were called Soundscape VR. They're mm. still around and killing it right now, too. Um, virtual metas metaverse concert spaces. Yeah shared spaces for concerts. So I got to go in 2018 out to Burning Man and we got to set up these VR headset experiences out on the deep playa. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was just like a holy cow, this is so awesome moment. And seeing everyone in VR, they're, a lot of people it's their first time. And it's yeah. like their first time, like plus whatever experiences they're on out on in the desert and just made this 
it was so beautiful to see like little little young kids doing it, old people doing it, getting their mind blown by VR. And it was like, oh, there's like actually something here. There's a future here too. And that's when I found out about like uh, more the tilt brush, sure. like the the apps to be to create art as an artist on these things. Um, and that, yeah, that was just like groundbreaking for me. It was like a, such a big moment. Like, oh my God, like it's such liberating. And tilt brush was so cool because all the brushes were so insane and you can make them like colorful ribbons and all this stuff. But yeah, it was like, it really got my juices, like creative juices flowing. I was like, oh my God, I love this so much. So, yeah. I am uh, also like really obsessed with, with VR as a medium, right? Mm -hmm. I think that it is like the quickest way to begin to hack and induce empathy in people, mm. right? Yeah. Because the immersion is so powerful and it's being, it's so like all encompassing. And that mm -hmm. effect, even one, two, three, four, five years later, uh, it, it doesn't really go away for me. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, do you see those things, the one study or story was like the scientists or doctors were using it on burn patients. Did you see this one? No, no. So it was uh, people that were like in ICU intensive care, like burn patients on their bodies, not so much their face, but like bodies, sure. hand stuff. And they put a headset on them and put them in the Arctic in the headset. So they're like wow. in the blizzardy Arctic with penguins and stuff when they are doing their bandage changing stuff. Mm -hmm. And they can see the brain level of stress is like, it was like a 60% reduction of stress levels. And it's like, yeah. you're literally tricking the brain into this. So that's why it's so cool. And then it's like, there's so much available there, but even as an avid user, I still want like tech, physical tech to improve. Right. I want yeah. like, uh, I, I still suffer from things that very basic users will use where it's like, if I'm in there creating for a couple hours or over a couple hours, like I'll take it off and I've got like the severe ring <laughs> around my face and yeah. I'm like kind of disoriented and it kind of messes with my eyes a little, but yeah. it's like a tool, right? It's like, I don't know. I think of like graffiti, like it wasn't good to breathe in. It's like people sometimes have to wear the little ventilator masks and it's like, you only spend so much time in it per it's like my tool versus like, I still very much appreciate like the reality is in which is like our nature and the physical yeah. world out there. So I still like find a nice balance between the two. I would say, even though I've been in it for longer, a VR user for longer than many people that I talk to, some people will use it for, like thousands of hours more than what I have put into it because just they're like seeking out maybe more of a community-based experience or something. Well, for me, it's more of like an art creation tool in that sense. So, yeah. I think that seems healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I yeah, find I myself going, going in and out, right. In periods where I get very excited about it and there's different yeah. things that I want to explore. And then other times where like I, I do, I have to go, out i have to be doing something yeah um, and well with the the history of that too with my getting into that vr thing and then working for that vr startup then i was like oh i want to do augmented reality right. that was like my next like li like my, the next pad i wanted to jump to and was limited with computer stuff and power and just like uh i 
I could have gone the route of taking video and doing like what CGI artists do, like compositing into a video uh, using, a, a lot of people do this, they use Adobe After Effects, take a video on your cell phone or on a camera, and then you create like a ground tracking plane, Adobe After Effects, and any 3D asset you can put in. And you can get really crispy, real looking uh, effects with that, but it's not like real time augmented reality. It's very similar to what people have been doing in movies for decades. Um, and I wanted to do augmented reality stuff. So with how I started to take these more landscape photos and was taking these 3D assets and putting it into the photos, specifically on Instagram, I would hashtag augmented reality. And I wasn't really doing augmented reality because these are more like photo, these were like photo composite renders in a sense, but I was using that term because I like know where I wanted to go with it. Right. And that that opened up an amazing door, which was a person from Adobe DMing me and being like, would you like to be a beta tester for our augmented reality app? And this mm. was like tw late 2018, early 2019, maybe. And it was Adobe Arrow before it was like publicly yeah. available. So that was the first time too, where I, I hadn't really been making 3D shapes with the VR headset, but I had tons of 3D shapes that I made at Cinema 4D, just kind of ready to go, assets ready to go. So I'll just plug them into Adobe Arrow, run it around on a hike and take these videos on like an old, I think it was on a Samsung phone. It was before, or maybe, maybe that was when I just got my first iPhone. Cause it was like this thing. I had to have an iPhone, I think to run Adobe Arrow off of it. Right. I was always anti-Apple. <laughs> what were you going to say? Because I think, I think it was you that also turned me onto this because for a while it felt like 3D objects were the rage. And, and frankly, I think they're so much more underrepresented than they should be. I always remember like also going out into nature, having that file ready on the iPhone, like putting it, you know, with the, the sunset. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's pretty magical what you're able to like import and stage into reality. Um, totally. Yeah, it felt like very futuristic. And I like, like I said, I was like always about like the 70s sci-fi aesthetic in a way too. It was right. like, I like want to be, I want to have heads up displays. I want to have like cool tech that seamlessly fits into my life that isn't like advertisements barraged <laughs> everywhere in a sense. But, uh, and that's why a lot of the objects I make now are kind of like so abstract and that they don't like really reflect anything yeah they just are like uh, a feeling of like a sculpture that i made like incorporated into like a negative space that felt like it would work and it, oftentimes those are done at different time periods right like i'll sculpt in the headset on a day and then i go take photos on a second or third day and then a week later we'll be looking at photos at 2 a.m. and see something that just sees a space that didn't, I didn't think of anything before and then go, oh man, I think I, I made something and I think I could put something there. So it's just kind of this, I let it be very free. I don't like have office hours or like things that sure. I try to like do, you know? So it's just yeah. like, yeah, kind of work with the flow of it. And then they are part of it just feels, yeah, it's so futuristic and it felt like, holy cow, now I can do this through my phone. And then I've been exploring and like I've, I think I've shared files with you guys with Mocha where it's like, 
.usdz file types. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's just the raw Apple AR file type. So anyone can use it anywhere. You don't have to be connected to the internet. You don't have to use an exactly. app. You don't have to go to a website. So it's just like this really interesting thing. Some websites, I think you can mint a USDC. I know Foundation, you can mint a GLB file. So there's like yeah. some ways, very easy conversion from GLB to USDC, but... Yeah, it's just like this wild ride of, <laughs> and it's like yeah. I'm all self-taught too. It's like I'm literally just like Twitter and all the stuff now of like keeping up with everything. So right, like I, I am too. I have like no background in any of this, but it does seem if there is enough curiosity that it is intuitive enough that really you can pretty much learn anything on the internet. Um, yeah, that, that yeah. USDZ file makes it incredibly easy to just like drag and drop and display. And that was definitely what I was experimenting with. I know that like for us in building these rooms is like these architectural objects. Yeah, those that's awesome. all, that's all GLB. Um, yeah, that was untitled, right? XYZ. And he's, he's leading that with Renee. They're kind of yeah, spearheading Renee. that. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, but it, it, all to say that, like, I, I think what you showed me inspired a lot of that, right? Because it's so interoperable. It goes between spaces, right? Yeah. I'm so curious to see not the way that, like, flat images are populated in digital spaces, but really the way, like, structures are built and reinterpreted, whether it is in like reality through AR or it is in more like natively digital spaces in, in VR. Yeah, dude. And then uh, one of the great, I had a great conversation the other day with my girlfriend. Like I'm playing with LIDAR scanning, right? And it's yeah. like the LIDAR scanning turns into a lot of these pipeline file types to where I can easily then use them in projects in creative ways. Some artists out there already been doing that, like super inspired, like uh, what's it? Lucas Aguirre, oh or Aguirre right? Yeah. Yeah. Like does awesome work. And then uh, there's a couple other people, but to be able to like think of a future where you're not only like a photographer in a sense, like I was thinking like, how could I be the next Ansel Adams? Was like yeah. one of my questions to myself a year, a couple years ago. Like, how can I be like, what's the next Ansel Adams gonna be? And it's like, what if people, instead of taking photos are like 3D scanning reality scenes to import and use in these metaverses so like if you yeah. go into a vr world it's like the actual scan and high fidelity that like it's someone's job like someone was like oh i'm paid a good amount of money to walk around and scan our reality like i think that's such a cool idea it's it, like the <laughs> I mean, I think intrinsically we have like incredible as humans, right? We have incredible nostalgia and we yearn for like past moments, past experiences. And I think that's initially what photography was, right? It captured that moment. But what yeah. if you could capture more than that moment? What if you could capture like the scene and the people there or like, yeah. and with this technology, we certainly have the ability to lend more permanence um, to these artifacts. I think I saw someone just recently, uh, artist on Super Rare that did like a 3D sphere photo too, that was like the drop. So even though uh, it was like the, the screen is a 2D, when you go to Super Rare site, you could like click with your mouse and it's like, they took like a 360 degree photo from this. Yeah. I think it was Ty Leckie, Ty something. Interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, but um, that I feel like is been around in the VR space, right? As an experiential thing, kind of like you were saying, like right. giving like an empathy of putting this on and people have been capturing that, but it wasn't a way as an artist to kind of share your version of what you captured. It was more like, here's the Eiffel Tower. Here's Mount Everest Space Camp. Yeah. It's not like, here's a thing. And then in my case, like here's a space, but with a, like a, I always call it like an imagination export. <laughs> it's like just this thing that it now is there that wasn't there before. So, yeah. I had a, a Italian friends who did like a 20 minute, this, this changed a lot of my thinking as well. He did a 20 minute, 360 degree VR documentary on the lives and art practices of both Iranian artists who were female and Saudi Arabian artists who were female. Amazing. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. That was, that was super, super cool. Um, yeah. That was like, like you said, those empathy kind of moments and it's such a, a cool tool and why I kind of like it so much and look for the future so much is because as more people experienced it, there's going to be more like young developers and people that are like, like, no, like screw Facebook. I don't want the Facebook or meta yeah. headset. Like I'm going to make my own headset and it's going to do this, this, and this. And like, that's the future I'm super stoked for. And, uh, then like, even with the headsets, like having passed through, <laughs> like I started using the pass through camera and gravity sketch on this headset, yeah. which is like, turns it on the black and white and you can kind of see what you're doing sculpting wise sure. with the table and everything in front of you, yeah. which is like a, just another level of experience that I know, like we're going to get color pass through next on a bunch of devices. And then yeah. I'm looking forward to Apple device after that. I try to hit them up all the time. I'm like always tweeting, like, give me a yeah. headset. <laughs> <laughs> get in the beta. <laughs> yeah, no, I would like, man. Yeah. And I've been really blessed. Like I did get to do a wired magazine article artwork. Yeah about six months ago. And that was for the, the guy, his name's John Hankey was the, the CEO of Niantic labs, which mm -hmm. is the guy, the, the business team behind Pokemon go. Right. So yeah, that's like that whole thing. And that was like, I said it before, but it was like such an honor. Like that magazine was on my like dad's computer desk when I was a little kid. And I was yeah. like, now my art, I saw my name like Easter tray in there. So it's like, yeah, what the frick? Like amazing. And then uh, a little bit after that, Meta actually hit, hit me up and I got to be one of four artists to make a augmented reality sculpture that I think is somehow, so it's part of their open arts program, which was the same program yeah. that like they did the murals and the buildings and all that stuff for. So right. I don't know if there's an activation in the physical buildings at Meta, but on my Instagram account, just there forever and then connected to their Instagram account is this AR filter that I built that was like uh, a lot of times, like I said, I don't really have a clear, they're more like an abstraction of a design of mm. what I work on in a sculpture. But with this one, I wanted to like present them something like, here's a thing, here's what this represents. So I did like a water drop because here in Colorado and like the Western US is like, we're like running out of snow in the right. winter, right? Yeah, like I want to go snowboarding and like powder and stuff. And there's like, oh, 
so a report they said we're going to have snowless winters possibly just wow. like lots of uh, like in a hundred years or something. But sure. I recently just had my, uh, had a first solo show ever in Los Angeles and yeah, thank you. It was so cool. Yeah. And yeah. when I was there, I was like telling some people about this project and I was like, you guys realize that like all like a, a major majority of Los Angeles water comes from the Rocky mountains yeah. and it comes yeah. from the Western side of the Rocky mountains all the way West to that area. Um, so it was just like a, a way to me to like tie in some like deeper meanings and like, yeah, obviously I care about the environment. And it's really interesting how as, as the NFT thing is blossomed to have that whole discussion and then to now see us be able to like kind of veer away from that discussion and be like, no, we're actually doing the right things. And like we could point our fingers at a lot larger things that uh, have done a lot worse for a lot longer. So. I, I generally think that's always the case. You know, you, you really have to know your enemy and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. that enemy is, uh, is rarely the individual artist creating something. Right? I was like, why? Yeah. It's, this is the classic, this is classic divide and conquer tactics. Like, totally. uh, why would I argue with someone that's in the same, like, struggling socioeconomic bracket as me about, like, carbon issues when we both could fight together and point our fingers up and actually like manifest some real change but like the whole the whole thing is division and constantly pointed at ourselves so yeah it's, it's a bummer but that's why i got into crypto like i'm sure you got into it well. it's like this totally. i feel like punk rock revolution of of finance right like i mean it was you know my reason was that one there were so many ideas bubbling right and i needed that like i first of all i needed to see change right mm -hmm. and i don't particularly believe in incremental change, right? Like at this point where we are, I do not believe that incremental change will save us. There has to be some sort of like collective awakening that facilitates some sort of exponential change. Yeah. Um, and the quickest way to like formulate new ideas and back them with capital and build like-minded communities in my mind was crypto, right? Yeah. It's yeah. The, the legacy systems um, I say this a lot, but like what I learned in my time in finance is that, you know, they tell you that capital is supposed to like flow to new values, mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't. It is not like a free flowing thing. It is more like cement in that it like ingrains and institutionalizes pre-existing things and pre-existing yeah. power structures. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a, a documentary I just watched on Netflix about the whole GameStop thing. Oh, it's amazing. Right? Yeah. It was it, so like, good. Yeah. They say they say a quote in there where it was like the the financial institutions are a method of wealth extraction totally. from a class. Like so and like we've seen this over the last 30-ish years in this country, um, to where things like yeah, there's been a, a small percentage of people that have grown exponentially wealthy. And it's through these kind of systems and the manipulations of these things. And yep. yeah, it's just kind of, for me, like it was a learning experience in that. And then it was like, that's what got me into figuring out like, oh, wait, what is Bitcoin? Like, how do I buy Bitcoin? And then it was like, next was like, okay, all right. I never figured out how to buy Bitcoin, but now I heard of this thing called Ethereum. Like, how do I buy that? And that was just like, uh, 
it felt like the future, again, like I'll say that, but this in the finance sense, because also when I broke my back, one of the things I was doing, it was like six months, I just had to stop going to college and like hanging out with my friends and just like sitting at home and like with a back brace on and stuff. And I would watch like videos on like how the Fed prints money. I'm like, <laughs> none of my friends, none of my friends knew this stuff. Like a couple of my friends were in business school. And so then right. I went back to those kids and those were like the first kids I had discussions about Bitcoin and this kind of stuff. And those, again, a portion of those kids got really into graffiti and like rebelling against uh, like, you can't tell me where to put my art, like fuck off. Like, no, like I'm going to, you put your ads in all of our faces. I'm going to write my name some places. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. So yeah. 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 I mean, look, you know, I have become like, uh, well, I think both that documentary and kind of like the exponential rise of the crypto art space kind of speak to the same problem that we have in this broader economic system, right? I think, you know, what is being pushed on us is an economy of addiction, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to get you addicted to whatever it is, um, whether it's, you know, like, vaping or like sports gambling or like some sort of social media thing this is for sure like a form of of wealth extraction yeah Um, yeah and being aware of that and then like so uh, i'm gonna quote my mom here where my mom would like see me younger like wanting to get really angry at society and like when i was figuring out the stuff and like wanted to rebel and it was like like if you can't beat them outsmart them yeah and this was what this felt like and it's like okay so i'll i'll make art and i'll sell it for a tool that they don't like a monetary tool they don't control yet and i've outsmarted them like i can take little bits out and when i need to play in their system i will to survive but ultimately i don't like i want to focus all of my energy and like you know, explain and share the information and educate my friends and family. And yeah, just like show them that there's an alternative. Cause a lot of people my whole life would always say, that's just the way it is. Right. That's, just, that's just the way it is. You know, it's just the way it is, man. It's just the way it is. And so like, it's like, no dude, like 300 years ago in Cincinnati where I'm from, like the downtown area was like native American land. Like what are you 300 years? Like now there's white man owned skyscrapers there. So it's like in 300 years, everything could change. So like, keep your mind open. And like, we have the power to be the lead of this change. So I don't know. It's just like, I like have a lot of faith in people. I've got a lot of faith in like what everyone's doing here. And I see the good in it. Yeah. Obviously with NFTs, like you and I have seen, there have been malicious actors and a lot of these people that are like malicious come at it from a point, like a very web two traditional finance malicious point of view where it's like, yeah, how can we take wealth? How can we extract wealth? How can we make money here? Not like, how can we build the next thing for people? like and not for all these other people so i don't know it's like a little philosophical there for you huh yeah yeah i think there's new there's numerous instances of of creators or companies or people that have come in and dangled a carrot in front of people and frankly it 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 leads nowhere 
mm-hmm. right? So how the, the problem people get, was- People get angry yeah. and then their energy manifests the reality around them. So right. when everyone is very euphoric on the uptrend of, oh my God, I might make money or we could make a lot of money from these people, then the energy is of a good, en- like everyone feeling good. But then right. the moment everyone is like, oh God, Oh God, like I got to like, what the fuck was this? And who, who the founders have rugged this project and da-da. then it causes people to feel angry. And then they, they publish that anger on social media and then people feed off that anger. And this is a real thing. Like this is totally real. So I mean, crypto is the closest that we get to that, like energetic social connection, right? Because yeah. it's, it's designed like by its nature to be talked about, yeah. right? And every happening when Bitcoin like supply is reduced, then like it becomes scarcer. And it, so I, I think it is so closely aligned to uh, like our, our nature and who knows like how all of these rules were implemented so early that so perfectly captured like the cycles of, of, but I've been through this like a couple times now, and it's enough to know that there is something inherent in it, which ties so deeply into who we are as people and how we communicate mm-hmm. around the value of things that is so antithetical to the way the government controls money, the way the government prints money, the way they like rack up massive amounts of debt and, and then pay it off kind of through inflation. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's- Understanding that then allows you to like go, okay, then what else can we do? And that's like a huge step. A lot of people are so busy in their lives, these like manufactured realities of having to go, go, go each day and do that they can't take the time even to understand some of the stuff. And then you have a portion of the population that considers nfts like a joke and a scam and then you have a portion that is like web to want to take money from people out of this new thing and then you have people that are like pure souls like (laughs) like actual pure souls like light like people trying to like pour themselves out in this new medium and yeah i don't know it's super cool i went to i got to go to the guggenheim uh in new york for the first time and it was like cool to see uh Every artist on the wall, for the most part, when I was there, it was like painted in Paris around this time, painted in Paris around this time. And I'm like, I feel like now I'm part of the global version of what in 100 years this will be looked back on. Like, oh, these people were part of this thing at this time. But it's like around the world and part of this new thing. So, yeah, it's really like a blessing to be in the space and doing what I do, man. It's like yeah, super lucky. And have conversations like this is crazy. It it feels so special. It's just like right place, time, energy, you know, the the joke is, but it's, go ahead, hit it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I got to say though, that, so as someone that comes from like a poor background and working like, like basic jobs just to get by and like having a desire to make art, it was interesting to then have some success quote unquote success with finding some collectors and selling some pieces and seeing like a dollar amount associated with that. And then having like kind of no concept of like 
oh, like I need to set up an LLC. I need to be a business. Yeah, I need yeah. to, because for me, I was like, the whole reason I made art was after I was working at a business. So like I never yeah. wanted to be a business. There's yeah. no goal of doing this for a business thing. Um, and so that was a transition that's still hard for me. And I don't know, I've, I've reached out to fellow artists and have a very hard time talking to others about it because some people just don't like talking about the tax side of stuff or, you know, like yeah. how to, how do you run and compose this thing at a level to like stay up with uh, a, a thing where that has teams of people or something, you know, like totally. you're just one person. So, um, and then a lot of the information is like uh, there was like a lot of language that you have to learn. If you don't come from a finance background, it's like you have to learn a new language to even understand some of this stuff and like sending emails with accountants. And I'm like, like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I literally like, like, what the heck? So that's just been a thing that's very unexpected and definitely like a frustration. Yeah. But like, I guess I have to uh, be, it's like a blessing that I'm even dealing with that kind of frustration and not that I'm thirsty every day and not that I need a place over my head. Right. So I it's crazy life. <laughs> you know, this is what I studied for uh, so long. So I invite you, I invite any artists out there, if they ever have any questions, this is definitely like a language that I know and I speak. Uh, I think it ultimately there are tremendous benefits to fitting some sort of wrapper around yourself that engages in this way. Um, if anything that works to kind of like Propagate, I think, your own freedom, as you say, within the existing structure so that you have the ability and freedom to create more is important. I, for myself, neglect it very often as well um, because, like, structure and maintenance and accounting and all of these things, when you're in, like, the most fast-paced and forward environment, mm -hmm. is very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, Especially when I just want to look at, like, shapes and colors and right. lines. <laughs> Right. It is, it is uh, not a natural skill set for creative people. Uh, um, yeah, that's interesting. So, but yeah. you know, it's a, it's a growth process. I feel like uh, honored to like, even in these like bear market periods, like spend time working on like new skills and like uh, working on, like, I still have this, this project from Mocha that is like, I'm going to complete by the end of this year. And it's like, it's combining like the best pieces of everything. And it's like, yeah. there's so much uh, like to look forward to that. I don't ever like feel like, Oh, like, I don't know. It's like the, that same sentiment that you, I say like people are expressing these emotions where like, this is the end or something. And it's like, <laughs> like <Not> every, really. <laughs> right. Doesn't every generation have these people that are like, the end times are going to happen in their generation. And like, it's like every group has these people that are like, ah, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know either. I, you know, I, uh, 
conversation for another day. The last word is always yours. Uh, and please definitely let people know where to find you, where to find your artwork, if you want to be contacted, anything like that. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. Appreciate it. Um, find me on Super Rare, uh, Easter Tray, E-C-E-E-R-T-R-E-Y. Um, and then I'm on Foundation. I'm, uh, I just have that solo collection on Foundation with some cool pieces. Um, I got to do the GameStop NFT drop. I'm pretty sure I was the first photographer on that at all, let alone like AR, VR stuff. Um, yeah. And then OpenSea, some old school stuff on there as well uh, from the old ETH Denver conference. Um, and then, yeah, Instagram, everywhere else. So, yeah, it was a pleasure to, to, be, to be here. And I look forward to the future, man. And just being connected with you guys is so awesome. So, yeah, thank you for man, super. Thank you for, uh, what do we say? Or what do people say? The vibes are immaculate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was Always, cool. though. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Colburn Bell. This is the DXM, the Minty Mocha podcast. Artist Easter Trey. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Peace. Breaking news.